Hey guys, John Ojaka here. Just a quick note before we get started. In today's episode, uh, we're going to be telling one artist's story as it has been reported across the web. Everything is alleged. Uh, there is only so much that I can do to fact check all of this stuff, and I'm certain that there is another side to this story. So we want to invite uh, Jared Threaten, the subject of today's episode, to appear on the podcast and tell his side of the story should he be interested in doing so. All right, let's get started with today's episode you're listening to the music marketing manifesto podcast where you'll learn how you can use direct to fan marketing strategies to grow your fan base and generate income from your music with no record label radio airplay touring or press and i'm your host john ojaka all right, John Ojaka here, and thanks for tuning in to episode number 31 of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. Um, so today, this, this is, this is going to be a bit of a fun one, I think. We're going to be covering slash discussing a bit of breaking news here in the, in the indie sphere, or I don't know what you want to call the space that we as independent artists live and thrive in. So you may have already caught wind of this story. It's certainly, um, it's certainly going crazy, going viral out there on the web. A metal artist by, uh, that goes by the name Threaten. It is a quote unquote band, although it appears to be largely driven by one individual named Jared Threaten. He essentially, and I, and, and I don't want to spill too many of the details because we're going to be talking about that in much more detail after the break. But he essentially booked a a 10-date European tour based on what has recently been exposed to be a completely fake, um, well, everything, (laughs) a completely fake record label, a fake booking agent, fake press outlet. Uh, He uh, credited himself as having won a fake award. Uh, He had fake social media uh, uh, followers, uh, fake comments, fake RSVPs to events. And after claiming that hundreds, in some cases, of tickets had been sold to these uh, or pre-sold to these gigs that he had lined up in Europe, no one showed up. And as you can imagine, uh, the venues were upset. It has gotten uh, posted and shared and spread all over the web. And uh, folks are having some fun with it, but it calls into uh, question or it, or it raises, I should say, some, I think, more serious issues and questions about this sort of new landscape and, and these tools that we have at our disposal and what it all means, how we should be using them, um, and where that line is in terms of using hype and using these social media tools to hype our, uh, our presence or the impression one has of our presence as artists. Should we be doing that at all? Is any of it okay? Um, that's what we're effectively going to be discussing on today's show. I've got a, uh, a music marketing manifesto member and insider circle member. His name is Evinder uh, Carlson. He's going to be sitting in on the uh, the second segment of the show with us to to sort of just, I, I guess, liven up the banter. He's a smart guy. Uh, we've actually, uh, until today, we've never spoken uh, in person before. He's an engaged member of the insider circle. I've come to really like the guy. I, I respect him as an artist and his music. And I thought, you know, well, you know, he was the guy that actually brought this to my attention. He posted it in the insider circle forum. And I, and I, thought, okay, this is a story that I've got to share. We've got to discuss more. So I thought it would be a lot of fun to have him on the show and, and, um, you know, give, again, give some life to the discussion, get an additional perspective. And, uh, you know, so you guys don't have to just listen to me ramble for, 
for 45 minutes or whatever it turns out to be. So that's what we're going to be doing in just a moment. Uh, a, a little bit of housekeeping. One thing I did kind of want to, I guess, announce, um, I'm going to be releasing a new version of Music Ads Workshop uh, coming up in just a few weeks. So this will be Music Ads Workshop 3.0. This is a new release. Uh, this is something that I, every few years, I put out a new version of this. It is a, uh, a course in which I teach musicians how to use Facebook advertising advertising to promote their music using specifically direct to fan marketing strategies. So I've been advertising on Facebook for almost uh, a decade. And it, well, next year it will be one decade since I think 2009 is when I ran my first ad. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on Facebook ads over the years. And, uh, you know, and you learn a thing or two. So a few years back, I released the first uh, version of Music Ads Workshop, but Facebook changes a lot and often. And while I do update those courses, after a few years, we tend to see so many changes that the strategies themselves uh, evolve and change. And when that happens, I release a new version of the course. And so that's what uh, we're going to be doing. Music Ads Workshop 3.0. Uh, I don't have the precise date yet, but it's going to be in the beginning of December. If this is something that you're interested in, if you want to make sure that you get on that uh, early bird list, a discount will be going out to everyone who signs up early. Uh, you can head on over to musicadsworkshop.com now and uh, get on that list and learn a bit more about the program, what's involved and all those fun details. So wanted everyone to be aware of that. Keep an eye out for that. I'm excited to uh, have something new out there to share with you guys. All right. So we're going to take a brief break. And when we return, Avinder Carlson will be on the line with me uh, to discuss the metal artist Threaten and uh, all of this craziness that's uh, surrounding the guy at the moment and um, some interesting choices that I think really uh, are a testament to the times uh, that we as uh, musicians live in with, again, social media and all these tools and some blurry lines between hype and reality. And I think a, a bit of lack of clarity in terms of what it is that we're supposed to be doing with all these tools and how it is we're supposed to be uh, ultimately marketing our music. All right. So so this should be a fun one. Back in a sec. You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast. All right, on the line with me is Avinder Carlson from One Bad Day. Uh, I was about to say, Carlson, how you doing? Uh, Avinder, how are <laughs> oh, you? Are you kidding? It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm great. How are you? I'm, I'm so used to typing uh, Ivy in the uh, or Avi yeah. uh, in the uh, yeah. uh, uh, in the forum there that uh, I don't actually know. Do you go by that? Is that a thing that you do, or is that just something that I do to save characters? <laughs> for for people from. Uh, from foreign parts, yes, then that's fine. Uh, <laughs> normally, uh, over here in Iceland, people don't call me that. Gotcha. Uh, except my my dad, but he's his family is the only people who are allowed to do that. Right, right. Well, um, maybe I should stick with the the, the proper the proper Avender then. Um, but <laughs> but you, you so you are a member of my my mastermind group, the the Music Marketing Insider Circle. Uh, we've been chatting uh, quite a lot over the last few months. You've taken a few of my my courses. I know you're part of the copywriting uh, workshop that uh, went out a few months back, and we got to chatting. Uh, you know, I was kind of impressed by you 
you and your 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 work ethic really and and frankly the music as well and we again we've just been kind of chatting a lot um, over over the months uh, in the forum and via email uh, just talking shop and talking about music and marketing and all of that and earlier today you posted something in the forum it was a story that has kind of gone international but I had not caught wind of it until uh, just today and I thought you know this is interesting and I need to do a podcast about this uh, and so I thought you know why don't I reach out to uh, Avender and and get him on the show just to have some additional perspective uh, have another musician to kind of I don't know bounce ideas around and, and give this conversation some life so it's not just me sitting here pontificating into a microphone because I, I suspect we might have you know some some different thoughts on it but I, I don't know we have we've done absolutely no prep for this so it should be interesting um, but before <laughs> oh, yeah. we before we get into that why don't you just kind of give everyone the the 10 seconds on who you are and and what you do sure um yeah my name is uh Aventura, as you said i'm i'm an icelandic uh, singer songwriter and i i've done a lot of work for theater as well um I, i'm my my education is in theater directing and i've written a lot of uh music for theater and, and acted in all kinds of stuff and uh yeah i, I have uh, a band uh, called one bad day sometimes that's just sometimes it's a band who knows? Um, <laughs> uh, but that's yeah. So that's what I do. I um, yeah, uh, travel the world doing theater, uh, doing music for theater. Awesome. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, any and anyone listening, okay, that was probably 15. <laughs> if you like, if you like uh, singer songwriter stuff along the lines of Tom Waits and and uh, Nick Cave and those those kind of cats, you should check out his stuff. He's one of the uh, a very small handful of artists I've actually subscribed to purely because I, I heard the music and thought, you know, hey, this is this is good stuff. So check it out. Uh, one bad day dot rocks. Um, yeah. All right. So the story at hand, and I'm, I'm going to tell my understanding. I spent the morning reading about it, and you may know more to it because it's been covered a lot and I think it I think it popped up only about three days ago I think that's when I well that was the earliest post that I saw um, and it's yeah. about an artist uh, or a band uh, with air quotes there uh, called Threat. again it's sort of like me it's sort of like a <laughs> guy slash band yeah yeah um, <laughs> but the air, air quotes come for 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 more reasons which we'll be getting into but um, yeah. so it's a it's a band called Threaten, that's Threaten with an I, so T-H-R-E-A-T-I-N, led by a Jared. Great Threaten. name, by the way. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm, and I'm sure Jared, I'm sure Jared Threaten is his real name. Um, and they are a metal, they're a metal band, and they booked uh, a 10-date European tour based apparently, or so go, so go the reports, um, uh, on essentially a completely fake backstory. Uh, and, and, you know, Artists are prone to doing this, um, doing little bits of exaggerating and buying likes and things like that. But he took all of this to a new level. So he created, you know, not only did he buy a whole bunch of fake Facebook likes and YouTube followers and get fake comments on the YouTube videos. Again, all of this is reportedly, um, allegedly. Um, but uh, not only did he do all of that kind of stuff, but he also created a fake record label, a fake booking agent, a fake press outlet, uh, attributed the the fake award, Top Rock Artist of the Year, um, attributed that to his band and it's, you know, in his, in his press and bio and all, all the rest of it. And, and there's some lively comments about licking sweat off of his body on YouTube. And he really, 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 really yeah. went for this. He created 
the the absolute extreme rock star persona, but it was 100% fake, largely driven by social media. Then it went and used this this profile and all these likes and all these comments to book uh and well and again a fake booking agent that contacted mm-hmm. the venues and 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 ba- oh and there was even better there was a ton of uh fake videos so videos on youtube where you could see the band playing but no audience and what <laughs> yeah. a, what appeared to be overdubbed fan noise and then shots of the audience where you couldn't see the band yeah. And in separate videos. In separate videos. Is, that's, it's, it can't be hard to edit that together. No. That's, the, that's what gets me. Totally. It's not, it's not that complicated to, to edit together the audience and the band to the same video. Yeah, yeah, I wondered That's about that. Make it look better. I don't know. <laughs> that, that totally dawned on me as well. I was like, why not just you know, a few more extra seconds? I mean, you spent ten or twenty grand on this whole ruse. Like, let's exactly, edit that together. Yeah. Anyway, but um, really, really went for it. And then this, again, air quotes. Their booking agent contacted all these venues, booked a ten date show, got fake RSVPs, so purchased RSVPs to these events on Facebook, uh, which I... Hundreds of them. Yeah, which I believe were later exposed to mostly be from places like Brazil, you know, and this is, mm-hmm. again, in Europe, where this um, this tour is to take place. And the clubs, understandably, were excited to have him, um, because uh, as a former booking agent, I can tell you all, all they care about is making sure the bodies are going to get in there and buy drinks. And um, then unfor- and, and they claim that they had sold, you know, 290 tickets. I think it was 291 on one show. I think another one was something like 190. And, you know, I think uh, from what I read, the venues were a little curious. They thought it sounded odd because no one was actually coming to the venue to buy tickets and they weren't hearing a lot of buzz on mm-hmm. their side. But the booking agent assured him it, it was happening. And then, of course, instead of 291, three people showed up. And in most <laughs> yeah. cases, you know, it was uh, or so went the reports, you know, it'd be the opening band and the venue manager uh, standing around kind of watching them. So the it, I think it started with a venue uh, posting something on Facebook. Hey, what happened to the 291 uh, tickets that you supposedly sold. We got, you know, three people or, or whatever the case was. And then it started to just crumble around this, this guy. And yeah. everyone started uh, reporting, you know, other venues started communicating, other shows were taking place and the same thing uh, started happening where no one was coming. And pe- uh, people started digging into the story and exposing that it was complete fraud and since then you know his facebook page is gone uh, his twitter profile is now set to to uh, private youtube comments are all turned off you know i can see on on one of the music videos that i was able to find there's like 3000 dislikes for only 1000 or thumbs down for only 1000 thumbs up kind of thing he's just Damn. getting slaughtered i mean it's it's gone international it's getting covered uh, everywhere and I don't know. Like I, it, it. I think it ca- it forces us or, or to to sort of take pause and kind of take a look at this from from a marketing perspective. And and I don't know. What's your reaction to this? Because so, I'm I'm of two minds. On the one hand, it's total fraud and it's not cool. On yeah. the other hand, I'm just feeling for this guy because. At its root, I've seen a lot of most of this stuff on a much smaller scale across the board. Musicians are 
he is by no means the first musician to um, try to use social media to make himself appear larger than he than he is. Where he certainly went wrong, well, he's gone wrong in a lot of ways. And I, you know, for the record, I don't advocate this kind of hype at all. Um, uh, I've never I've never been a big fan of buying likes or any of that kind of stuff. I've certainly done it 10 years ago um, and, and, and in my early days, but I'm not a fan of any kind of kind of hype at all um, with direct to fan marketing. I think it really is all about authenticity. And and because we're not with as a direct to fan marketer. And as a musician who advocates this kind of approach, we're not we're not trying to convince record labels to sign us. We're not trying to. There's no real need to create hype. All we're doing is creating fans one at a time. But it. But yeah, going back to my my original assertion, I I I'm of two minds. I, I on the one hand, there's a part of me, the more cynical part, that wants to point out like how sort of stupid this was, and then another part of me that goes, or or was he just a guy confused by the rules of the social media world that was trying to do what he thought was the way to make yourself successful and then and mm-hmm. then just misstepped horribly and it and and then you know his life is at least for the moment sort of destroyed i don't know what so uh, what's your reaction to this story well uh, first of all two things number one this is hilarious <laughs> that's, that's all <laughs> and, and number two is going to make a great James Franco biopic. Right, right, right. right. But apart from that, uh, oh <laughs> but apart God. from that, it's, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like you said, it, you know, the, I, I can see, uh, you know, having gone through probably a lot of these, you know, before uh, finding MMM, uh, having gone through a lot of, uh, you know, experimenting and, you know, I, you know I've bought Twitter followers. Sure. Uh, not bought Twitter, but like, uh, you know, I had like a bot that would, you know, subscribe to other people's sure. Twitters and they, they would follow you back and whatever, um, which first of all, gets you banned from Twitter, which was a nuisance, but also, uh, well, it, it gets you blocked. Um, but also it doesn't work because, you know, then, you know, I had a couple thousand followers on Twitter and, you know, they don't care. Right. right. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it doesn't work. Uh, so, you know, so, so I've certainly, you know, but that was, then, then I realized, oh no, yeah, this is right. You need to do it properly. And, um, so yeah, I can understand where, you know, the, te- I mean, I think everybody can understand the temptation to get there quickly. Sure. Um, but looking at this though, I don't, he, this must have been a lot of work. It must. I mean, when you go to like, well, I shouldn't say you can't, you can't go to these pages now because they're taken down. But so he created websites and everything for all, all of these companies. Yeah. And the detail was incredible. You know, we got backstories. We got European rosters and American rosters on the on the websites. All these fake bands, I believe, with fake profiles, you know, again, like fake record label bios. Um, not to mention, I'm I'm guessing that the guy has you know is a solo artist who's got a hired band there's some serious money here they're all in europe i i would assume um and all of these websites and all that building and all of that that attention this can't be cheap i mean this feels and looks like a tens of thousands of dollars kind of operation there's a professionally shot music video you know um yeah I, i don't have the energy to do all of this stuff like for my businesses <laughs> let alone my music career like i don't know 
I'm kind of impressed on that level. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I think I. Uh, I don't know. I guess let's try to break it down. What is what's your take on the? Okay, I think we all can agree that lying is wrong in all in all regards. You know, he's told the venue he sold X amount of tickets and he hasn't. Um, and and I I don't think that's up for debate. That's clearly you know that's the big line that he crossed, and that's that's not okay. Um, and as a booking agent, you know, again, I can tell you. Frankly, everyone pretty much lied to me back in the day when I used to book bands. I, I don't know that it was necessarily lying, I guess, but they misrepresented how many band, uh, how many people they could draw. That was just part of it. I would regularly yeah. hear 50 to 100, and my brain would go, okay, so 10. So you're going to bring 10 people. If they said 20, I thought, okay, you're going to bring two. You know, um, Every once in a while, you got someone who had an accurate um, read on what they could actually pull, but just nobody pulled. And if you don't bring the bodies or at least somewhere close to the bodies that you uh, tell a venue you're going to bring, you're pretty much never going back. If you get caught doing something deceitful like this, you're you're pretty much blackballed. And this guy's career, at least as as Jared threatened, is is over um, unless it turns unless it goes so far that it turns into some weird new art thing like that like the jared uh no um not jared little uh what's the movie um that you were referencing yeah, the, disaster artist. the disaster artist yeah, yeah where it almost becomes yeah. something something like that I, I i could see that actually happening twitter is yeah. lit up with people having fun with this you know selling selling fake tickets and arguing about how they <laughs> they were a fake fan before it was cool to be a fake fan and and whatnot so they're, they're, i would buy a fake ticket I, w- I would probably buy a fake ticket just to have it on the wall um and frankly i'd go to a show if he was playing in town right now just to see what was going on um and it's even it's amplified by the fact that this is a metal band you know that the, mm-hmm. there's some inherent just comedy whenever you're talking about metal if you know if it if it steps wrong <laughs> If in the slide goes wrong yeah. yeah yeah um but so so anyway getting back to the the question so i think we all agree that that part of it, the lying is wrong but where do where do you stand where do we stand on hyping yourself up so um again i don't want to be that guy who lives in a uh who you know uh who who uh lives in a glass house i'm butchering that metaphor but you know i don't want to throw stones as a guy you know i'm yeah. I was a musician who, going back to MySpace, I had bots and did all this. So you get all these followers that mean nothing. You hype everything, and and, and I and it took a lot of years. It's a it's a weird thing. The 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 bigger you get, the more successful you get, the easier it is to shed hype. So if you were to listen to me talk about things, either as a musician or or even as just you know the the voice of MMM. Um, if you were to listen to me 10 years ago, talk about the, everything was, Oh, so many comments and so many emails and, you know, so many fans. And, and there was always this hyperbole to it. Whereas now the reality is that there is some success there. So there's much less hyperbole or exaggeration or need to do any of that. Um, uh, but I certainly did some of that in the old days. I have bought um, Facebook followers many, many years ago. Don't advocate it at all. Not a fan of buying likes now. Um, but I've done it. Um, like, like I said, I used bots back in the MySpace days and, and 
always framed everything as being robust when at times it wasn't. And I had a, a, an old roommate, a friend of mine, we really hustled in Hollywood together as young musicians, and he used to have a fake booking agent persona. And I thought it was rad. Like, I thought I thought that was a work ethic, at, you know, that I was witnessing. I didn't think of it as, as a lie. I thought, well, he knew that nobody wanted to deal with a band that didn't have representation, so he created representation. You know, I thought that was drive. So where do you f- come in on, on just the sheer ethics of bigging yourself up? Do you think that that aspect of this is, is wrong or not? And, there's, and, and I don't have an answer loaded up or an opinion loaded up either. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a fine line, isn't it? I mean, you, you know, uh, as I think many musicians, I've always been a little bit uncomfortable with, you know, uh, uh, speaking a hyperbole about myself and, and, uh, you know, and, yeah, and, and selling yourself is, is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we're sort of always doing it to a certain extent. I think, you know, just the, you know, just the things that you do on social media, like you, you play a gig and you, you share a picture from the gig, right? That's what you do. Right. And, you know, especially when you do a big one. You know, and like um, I, I, I don't know if I still have that, but I used to have a, a cover photo uh, uh, for my Facebook page, which was me with my band playing on a giant stage um, in a in a big auditorium. It looked really impressive, right? You know, which gives gives a certain image. Sure. But the, you know, the fact was that it was a charity thing, and we played one song. You know, so it wasn't like our gig. Sure. But that didn't, you know, you, that's not a part of the story. You just post a picture and it looks really impressive. So I think to a certain extent that is, you know, hyping yourself up. Sure. But that's totally, yeah, that's I'm, totally ethical. I'm not you faulting know. anybody for, for, for using their best photograph, frankly. But, but exactly. like you know, buying so, likes, so things like, like that. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, to me, you know, it's, it's just uh, first of all i don't think and i think you've pointed this out in in uh, some of your videos on the insider circle because you did a video about buying likes i remember i think you pointed it out there is that I, I, you know likes don't mean that much anymore because most people know that you can buy them right um so especially especially people within the industry sure you know, maybe for a fan sure it might look impressive but you know if you're trying to sell yourself and that's Really, that's what gets me about this is that he was able to pull this off with people <laughs> yeah, that, in the industry who should know better. Um, uh, I don't. I, I would have thought. I don't know. It is impressive that he pulled it off, but I don't. I don't know. I mean, if if I was a booking, if I was still a booking agent, and somebody came to me and said all this stuff, I'm. I'd be. You know, I'd question the claims. Oh, I haven't heard of you. Let's see. And I'd, I'd Google them. And if I'm finding record labels and press agents and videos with all these comments i'm not gonna i'm busy i'm not gonna spend that much time looking at it and, right yeah i guess and yeah. it is at the end of the day it's just one night for these people you know where they get yeah. livid is when they hire their extra bar staff and they're they've they've got five people behind the bar expecting a sold out night and i think there was some incident where he had to uh cover the cost the ban- the bar essentially i you know i don't know how they forced him to do it but they made him you know go to the atm and pull out money to cover the the the, the fees yeah. of the of the staff. Um, but I, I can see something anyway. I don't know if, what it was, yeah. but yeah. And, and especially, and you know, I don't know the, the, uh, how large these venues were, uh, but 
but certainly if a label or booking agent is coming to me as a as a book you know as a venue booker um or promoter asking me to book their band i'm going to i'm most likely going to do it purely based on the fact that they've they've you know got somebody supposedly legitimate um contacting yeah. me and making claims i i for the most part will would have probably believed it now i wasn't the world's largest promoter. I did something at the Dragonfly back in the day in a venue called Goldfingers. It's no longer even there. But um, you know, there I don't know. There wasn't that much at stake for some of these larger venues. You know, you'd think they do their due, due diligence a bit more. But at the very yeah. least, it's certainly a lesson: do not lie to yeah. venues. Never lie yeah. to. Never lie. You know, lying is lame un, yeah. uh, in any way. Exactly. And 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 just to get back to the uh, uh, the ethics question. Sure. Um, you know, the ethics aside, it's again, I just don't think it works. I don't think it's worth it. Mm, mm. Uh, and especially, you know, um, you know, as you know, I've been doing Facebook advertising now for a couple of months, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just driving traffic to my squeeze page, but I'm getting a lot of Facebook likes as well. Sure. Sure. Through them. Because and they're authentic. People like and they're authentic because people like the link and then Facebook gives you a little alert that says, hey, why don't you invite this guy who liked your post to like your page? And you send an invite. It's a click of a button. And a lot of them do like the page. Sure, sure. So that was, so I've probably gotten a couple hundred, couple hundred uh, new likes on my artist page. Yeah. Well, take for that, which is an added bonus. Completely. Well, take something like MMM. I think uh, eight, nine years ago, I did something where I was running, you know, Facebook was an advertising and all that was fairly new back then. Um, I think I ran my first ad in 2009, something like that. Um, and I remember doing a little bit of an experiment and buying a few likes and just trying different things to see how quickly I could get the likes up. But aside from that, and again, you know, we're talking 500 people maybe or something like that. But aside from that, I've never paid for a like ever. And that page has, you know, 55,000 likes or something like that. And that's just all from the byproduct of running Facebook ads and generating activity online. And those likes come in. I will sometimes do like you just suggested. I'll go through a, a popular post and invite all of the people who've um, liked it to like the page um but other than that and, and honestly i probably pulled a few hundred likes that way i don't do it that often but the likes will come and yeah. and so i guess the only question here is well i think it i think there are it, a lot of questions john either, yes. yeah yeah I, I, have i said the only question here like three times yeah. so far i think i probably yep. have um it you know it we're still dealing with i think the clashing of two musical paradigms you know for for yeah decades anyone who's 18 might not relate to this but if you've been around for any amount of time you know back when when i was a kid we're talking the 90s you know when when i was kind of coming up uh when the grunge thing was happening I, um i moved so i graduated high school in 1992 and moved to seattle to do all of that and prior to that it was the sort of metal era and and there was this idea that you really, you know, rock stars had to be rock stars. I remember stories, I don't even know if this is true, but stories that Van Halen back in the day would do things like dress up as roadies, like hide their hair and hats and put on overalls to cover their outfits that they were going to wear. And they'd go be their own roadies because rock stars had roadies. And then they'd go backstage and get out of costume and change into, rock, you know, rocker costume and come out as the rock stars. And they, they, there was, it was something that everyone was conscious of. Rock stars act a certain way they are they're aloof because they're 
they're too sought after to care about their fans and they they uh they must you know you're not a rock star unless you have thousands of followers and so i still think that people are chasing that to some extent chasing that old paradigm certainly such as the case with with threaten um creating this rock star persona asking himself what does it mean to be successful and then creating that so that others would buy it i do really want to know what the end game was did he think that people were going to just show up did he think if you build it they will come did he think he was going to play for the opening band's audience and no one would be pissed i'm i really don't know how he thought this was going to not explode in his face eventually um but yeah, that's the only thing I can figure is that he must have been under the impression that, and maybe he, maybe he th- didn't know too much about Europeans, and he thought <laughs> that uh, you know an American metal band is going to draw, a, right? You know, and my, you know, American metal isn't even that big uh, worldwide, you know, right? Uh, so yeah, that's the the as far as I can figure that must be it because clearly he had to have had some end game i hope right right yeah i don't know but 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 so so again so i don't take us too far off track i think you know i think that's the old paradigm and then there's this new one which is social media which is the old rules don't apply and we can we we can use these relationship building tools because that's what they were to scale up our relationship building you know efforts and um, and make fans uh, one person, one human being at a time. And and yes, it's it's semi automated. We're still replying to emails and comments as they come in, but the growth is automated. And the question becomes: Does anything? Do any of those old rules matter? Does it matter? You know, we t- we hear and I've talked about it. Social proof. You know, and I I can't completely get rid of this feeling that it maybe matters a little bit that you come to a page and you see that there are a few thousand other human beings like it you know if I go to a page and 50 people like it I, I don't know if that maybe might I don't know if that would turn me off I mean I assume I guess I'd like to believe that if the music was good that wouldn't matter at all or, or if the <clears throat> the copy was compelling that wouldn't matter at all and it, and it probably mm-hmm. wouldn't I seldom click over to a page before responding to the ad to be honest so if an ad got mm-hmm. in front of me making a claim about what the music was and I liked that thing. I liked what it was and I, I clicked it. I don't think I'd go and do a bunch of research before either deciding, yeah, I want to sign up to this mailing list or not. Um, but I'd like to think that we are now in a, a new era where none of that stuff matters and all that really matters is our ability to be entertaining, be authentic, uh, care about people, create great art. You know, that's that's a given. That's an essential part of the uh, the puzzle. Um, and and just build relationships. I think we're tribe building now. We're not if you're trying to create a brand, then all that social proof. I think it does matter a bit, to be honest, um, not to the extent that that threatens done it. Um, but I think that, I think it all actually matters if you're trying to attract record labels or convince the world that you're a giant rock star. But if you're trying to build a business with a a thousand dedicated fans that spend money with you every year, I don't think any of that really matters. It matters most is that you're good. What matters next is that you, 
is that you uh, care about people and are able to communicate in an entertaining way. And what matters next is that you have a marketing plan in place to to extend your reach beyond what you can do going out there into the real world, shaking hands one person at a time. We're using. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think, uh, you know, um, he's the the threatened Jared was his name. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he was, you know, he he was building impressive numbers. Yeah. Uh, But and and yeah, numbers might get your foot in the door with certain people in the industry, quote unquote. Uh, you know, or, or, you know, especially, yeah, like clubs and things. Yeah, it's, it helps you to get booked, but numbers don't get you fans. Yeah. You know, yeah. numbers don't sell music. Right. And, and certainly not concert tickets. So, um, yeah, to me, I mean, it, it's all, it, it just feels a bit useless. And again, mm-hmm. you know, yes, I mean, it, it matters to a certain extent, but I would say, and again, you know, you, you have more experience, but, to me, you know, you say, okay, yeah, if you see something that has 50 likes, sure. But if it has a few hundred, you know, I think, yeah, people are responding to it a little bit anyway. And so, you know, it doesn't put you off. And I don't think, you know, I think, yes, maybe very low numbers could put you off. But I don't think, you know, yes, this person has 20,000 likes. He must be good. I don't think anybody's ever thought that in the history of social media. Right, right. Um, right. And, and I mean, anybody, it's very easy to get a few hundred likes very organically you know as long as you are a facebook user i mean i've started a lot of projects uh where you know i just i just blasted out on my personal page a few times and say hey please like this thing and i get a couple hundred sure very easily you know and i think i'm sure anybody can do that if you just you know again just using your personal page you can get a like for your band right very easily right you know well so i i yeah. You know, and then if you if you keep posting and stuff and it's not an inactive page, then, you know, I'm sure that that's all that matters for that kind of thing. Right. <clears throat> um, well, a, po- a point you've heard me make and I make a lot in, in the Insider Circle forum is just. So, again, I know a lot of people are listening to this. Not everyone is familiar with Music Marketing Manifesto or the strategies that I teach or any of that. So just the, the super quick summary for anyone who's not familiar with it. The strategy that that I've been teaching for almost a decade now is essentially to use. You can use free traffic um, uh, techniques as well. But I, typically I focus on using ads to drive traffic to what's called the squeeze page. On this page, we have a simple headline and image, maybe some quotes. Um, and a few supporting paragraphs, just basically trying to show people that that you understand their interests, their passions, um, and the music you make uh, appeals to those pre-existing passions. And if you can do that, if you can make a bold claim that aligns with their interests, then there's a good chance that a person is going to be willing to take the next step and sign up to hear your music and start that relationship. And if they don't like what they hear, they don't like the communication they're getting, they're going to tune out. They're going to stop opening your emails. They're going to unsubscribe. But if they do, then uh, uh, again, and if you take care of these people, you can start to build relationships. And it only takes a few thousand authentic relationships uh, to really build a career because when you ask for support, uh, whether that's through a crowdfunding campaign or Patreon or selling directly from your sites, you're going to uh, you're going to get support um, uh, much in the same way that we you know, if you're sitting in a hotel bar listening to music, you'd be far more likely to buy that artist's CD just to show some support because they they 
they added to your hour in, in that lobby or what, you know, whatever the case may be. So, so all these new rules and axioms about no one buys music anymore kind of go out the window with the direct to fan model. But the, what I'm, the point that I'm ultimately getting at is that, that all of that, whether it's a squeeze page or it's the email series that people get exposed to after signing up, it's all about overcoming resistance. So we take a person that is interested in the kind of music we make. We target them through um, Facebook's targeting. We make them an offer and we we become conscious uh, or, you know, if you're going to be good at this stuff, you need to become conscious of what are the reasons this total stranger might not want to buy. And then you overcome that resistance. And and a big one is, you know, social proof. They don't see any signs that you're the real deal or that anybody else likes you. And people do tend to follow other people. If there's a lot of activity around someone, they're, uh, they're eager to get in on it provided that it also aligns with their interests. But, and you can overcome, or you can create that social proof with 20,000 likes or comments or shares or whatever the case may be, but you, but there are other ways to overcome that resistance. You know, you can share a few quotes from a few dedicated fans and it doesn't have to be framed with all of this hype, I guess is what I'm saying. And I think that you'll, because this is so much about authenticity and relationship building you'll do much much better just being whoever you are because the second somebody sniffs bs in any kind of marketing you kind of lose that person so Mm -hmm. i think that i think that that's i think that that's ultimately the the summary here at least for me is that is that you know hype hype can have some positive impacts but they're usually short-lived and they're not necessary so if they're not necessary and they can have so much potential potential negative backlash as we're seeing here with threaten then you know why do it at all and and yeah exactly and uh you know and 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 to the point of you know being yourself um and you know i think of course maybe this because you and me were in a sort of a similar genre of music sure. uh, and you'd be a little bit more familiar with other genres than me but um this might be dependent on the genre but um i would think in most cases people will be much more likely to support you as an artist if they feel that you need the support yeah yeah great point great point you know if if you if you if you're selling yourself as a platinum selling artist which and, and you're not yeah. Then, you know, they're going, ah, that's nice. But if you're, you know, if you make it clear that, you know, this is a passion for you, you're a struggling artist, you're not, you know, you're, you're trying to, uh, uh, you know, uh, create your, your path or whatever. Um, then I feel, and again, because I meet a lot of these people, cause I've told you before, I do, uh, walking tours, mm-hmm. uh, for tourists. Sure. And so I meet a lot of them and I talk about, you know, I'm a singer songwriter and I sell CDs, after the tour and people buy without even having heard the music because first of all, because of the relationship that I've built with them over an hour and a half of telling them jokes and, and, and being my charming self. And, uh, and also because, you know, I'm, I'm a struggling artist and they want to support me. Sure. No, it's, it's, you know, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a really good point. And, and, and I don't know if I'm drifting off too much here, uh, but, 
if you and I don't have any. This is more me just asserting this than than any actual surveys or data to sort of back it up. But if you, but I can pretty much guarantee you it's correct. Um, if you forget streams and purchases for a moment and just think about listens, you know the number of times someone listens to a song, whether that's because they bought the album and they listen to it or it's because they stream it, and you look at the average dollar per listen, so to speak, stat. A small indie band is going to have a huge average dollar per listen because most people are supporting the band by buying the album listening to it a few times and on on average you know the diehard fans will listen to it more but but and and you know if somebody listened to your album once and they, pay, they had 10 songs and you pay, um, and they paid ten dollars your your average dollar per listen would be one whereas a large artist who has millions of fans is making you know point zero zero eight cents probably or whatever because people are consuming the music very differently and that level of support that the average fan has for an indie, at least in terms of putting their money where their mouth is, tends to be higher as well. Now, there are other ways for large artists to make money, like uh, quite a lot more money through touring and sponsorships and and everything else that comes with a huge, huge brand. But the earnings per listen sort of go down as you become more successful. So that's a great argument that by creating this persona right out of the gate, you almost bypass a lot of that initial support that comes from an artist on the way up. So you again, you can make a nice, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollar a year living with a couple of thousand diehard fans that see you as you are and know you need the support. But if you've created the impression that you are uh, already beyond that, then I don't then I think you're right. I think you'd I think you'd see that dollar per listen stat just drop right out of the gate and it would make it much harder to ever sort of climb those rungs and get to that point where where again the trade-off is when you actually get to that point you make less per listen but you make more through ticket sales and merch yeah exactly you know it, it's all again it's because again it's about a relationship and if you're honest you know uh, an example for myself is I, I you know i use facebook a lot just my personal facebook profile i have a lot of great relationships on there sure and uh and so i uh, i crowdfunded my album and at that time i didn't have a, a mailing list i didn't have much my facebook page wasn't uh, uh that great maybe uh between four and five hundred likes or something mm-hmm. so nothing huge anywhere uh but you know maybe and not even that huge uh, uh, list of friends on Facebook, just a really sort of, you know, people know who I am through social media. And, uh, you know, I, I, I it was a, an extremely successful crowdfunding campaign, mainly through that. And it's because, you know, people, they don't know me personally, most of them, but, you know, they sort of know what I'm about because they've been following me and they wanted to support my album. Right. You know, so... Nothing. I had. There was no hype. There was no nothing. I had never uh, put out an album before, and uh, you know it was my debut, and it was it was all. But you know it was because uh, I had been authentic for years. Sure, sure. I yeah. I, I couldn't couldn't agree more. Well, you know, I think I think we've kind of given our two cents long enough on the story. It's a really interesting story. It's the first time I've seen this really happen. So social media tempts us with all of these. In fact, you know, you could argue makes us feel that it's essential, makes some people feel that it's essential to create these these hyped 
numbers, these stats, uh, and one clearly ambitious artist attempts to do it, and it all explodes. And for the moment, uh, the world is is turned on the guy. So it's it's a it's I've never seen anything quite like it. It's really interesting. I I do suggest you you know um uh, keep an eye on the story i'm sure it will evolve more and and hey for what it's worth you know we're not we're trying to keep this balanced and and i don't want to just you know this guy i don't know i don't know what he's like um but he might be having a hard time right now you know this is this has got to suck so um if he's listening if he comes across this um and you know wants to tell his side of the story uh by all means um jared you're invited to uh, reach out to john at musicmarketingmanifesto.com and we'd love to have you on the podcast to just kind of hear where you were coming from and uh why you took the approach and and by the way what your thoughts are one more thing Mm mm-hmm I'm sorry, sorry to cut you no, off, no. but uh, I, I want to say one thing because I listened to a little bit of his music, and it's not bad. Right. Know, that's the thing that gets me. He could he could definitely do this on the merits of the music. I think. I mean, I'm not a big metal fan, but sure. it's, uh, there's nothing wrong with the music, uh, as far as I could tell. So uh, you know, I think that um, you know, again, he was just going about it the wrong way, and I'm pretty sure it was because you know and again i have made a lot of fun of this guy <laughs> over the past couple of days right uh because it is a little bit funny but you know honestly i'm 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 sure that guy well i mean maybe not now but he, he definitely could have uh, uh done this the right way i'm sure so right. uh, that that also i think is a if i'm to be honest i think what makes the what what makes it ripe for the the picking? Well, a lot of things do, but anytime ethics and art are kind of combined, and one is put into question, or the ethics are put into question, then you know people are going to uh, have a field day. Musicians, I'm sorry to say this, guys, but it, it, we're a cynical bunch. Um, but it's also that it's metal. Metal is just you know any any misstep with metal just becomes comedy, unfortunately. Um, and that's not a slight against metal, but it's it's we have Spinal Tap to thank for that. Um, so so. Yes. It's it's, it's quite um, it's quite an interesting thing. Um, anyway, uh, thank you, uh, Avinder, for being on on the show. It's been fun to actually chat with you in person. Yeah. Um, and it's been nice to again, yeah, have some intelligent conversation about a, a pretty big story and just get some additional perspective. Um, so if uh, again, uh, if anyone wants to check out Avinder's music, if you're a fan of Tom Waits and Nick Cave and that kind of stuff, I, I recommend you do it. Head on over to onebadday.rocks and get yourself some free music and you can see what he's been up to. Um, and uh, yeah, once again, Jared, if you're out there listening, love to have you on the show and hear uh, what, what your thinking was on all of this and what your experience has been and give you a give you a microphone should you want it. Thanks to everyone for listening. Um, thanks, Avinder, for being here. And uh, yeah, have a, have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can market your music using the direct-to-fan strategies discussed on this show, then head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Once again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com.